you're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the U.S., and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Therapy for Your Money. Today, I am chatting with the lovely Cassie Parks. Um, Cassie, I'm going to let you introduce your yourself. So tell us about... <laughs> Awesome. About who you are and what you do. <laughs> well, I help people manifest more money. I am often called the fairy godmother for those who can't figure out how to manifest more than a parking space. So often if someone's seen like the secret or something like that, they're like, um, that teaches that in there and they get really good at manifesting a parking spot, but they're like, but I'd like the car. I'd like the money to buy the car, the new house, the things like that. And so what I do is I teach people how to manifest money by changing their money story and how they view and how they show up for money in their relationship with money. Okay. So that is fascinating to me because that is very woo compared to what, what <laughs> I do, right? Like I'm on the, I was Cassie and I were chatting before we started recording and like, I'm all the way at the other end of the money spectrum. Like money is my jam and I like the numbers and everything, but like, she's kind of on the, on the other side of that. And Cassie, you're also a counselor, correct? I mean, I have, yes, I have my master's in counseling. Uh, I've never practiced. I got my degree and I had a job. I had a corporate job already while I was going through school. And I had this whole plan of how I was going to get my hours. And um, I had a dual degree. So it was school counselor and I could also test for my LPC. And I had this whole plan and I got offered a job, but I already had a job. And each woman, she's like, just wait until our industry lays people off and then go do that. Like stay here for like the money. And, and, you know, she goes, just enjoy this, you know, and she obviously wasn't, I didn't have to do what she said, but she's like, just this industry is cyclical. And so you might get laid off and then you can go do that. But, you know, and I love that advice, especially as I got more into money, like I see the value in the more money up front so that you can create more later. So it's interesting because a lot of therapist counselors have such a hard, difficult relationship with money, right? Like in the, in the helping industry, um, like with, with the, the heart of a helper, like it's hard to say, I, I want to help and do good, but I also want to make more money for myself and my family. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I think that's the biggest barrier I see in that field. And I have a lot, um, my sister's a Dean, but she also has a private practice counselor. My cousin is an LCSW. Uh, her husband works in a helping field. Um, he doesn't have an LCSW, but in the same space. And so I see a lot of that and, and that pull between, I want to make money, but I want to help people. And I think for so long, I think it's changing. I even see she's a teacher now um, at Baylor. They're starting to change that and to say like, you deserve, like you have to take care of you, right? What we preach yes. is what we need to practice. Yeah. And it's not necessarily an, I want to help or make money. It's, it's an, and situation where you can help and make money, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So tell us about the money stories. Yeah. So I, discovered these by, um, interviewing my clients. So what I do is I actually start and I 
teach people how to manifest $10,000. And so when I started interviewing my, the people that when they would get to 10,000, if they wanted to be interviewed, this is probably five years ago, I started this at this point. And I would say, oh, do you want to be interviewed? And I just started randomly asking the question because there's a part in it where we name your money story now. And I started asking, well, what was your money story? And I got the same five answers over and over. And I was like, oh, this is common. So there's survival, just enough, uh, the money chaser, the money hot mess and the hold tights. <laughs> right. You must tell us more about all of this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so survival is that person who never has money. Um, and it's not because money isn't there. It's because they have learned to live in this survival of money. So sometimes there's not money, but most of the time there is, but they do what I call hot potato money. So $300 comes in, they spend 310. Like if that was 300 extra, like all of a sudden they've spent 310 almost before it hits their bank account. Um, it's very stressful. The just enoughs are, it's a little similar to survival, except it's not stressful. Cause these are the people that are like, oh, if my breaks go out, I know $300 is going to show up magically or just randomly. Right. However, if I get a thousand dollars, I can bet that like the hot water heater is going to go out. So -hmm. it always balances out. Um, and then there's the money chasers. So you recognize these people as if you've joined more than three MLMs, if you have a family (laughs) member that you're tired of hearing all their business ideas, those are generally money chasers because they're always going after more money, um, and just chasing it. And a lot of times not getting it because they're not paying attention to what you do, like that spectrum of, okay, dollars and cents, like let's count it, let's add it, what's coming in. And then there's the money hot messes who money's never really been a problem for them. So money comes in, money goes out, they spend what they want. They never stress about money, but this story becomes a problem when one day they kind of stop and look at their life and they're like, I've made a lot of money. I should have more to show for it. And they really feel like, oh, where did it all go? And that's where they start to look at their stuff and kind of go on a, that money story is very spiritual usually of, you know, what am I worth? What do I want to create? Um, they all are, but that one even more so. And then there's the whole tights. Um, my favorite story when I was talking to someone, she was like, yeah, I slept on the floor without a mattress because I knew six months from now, the mattress would go on sale and I'd save $200. And wow, (laughs) yeah, like just holding so tight to money that, you know, it's worth it to drive, you know, an hour across town to save like two cents a gallon on gas. Right. Right. But don't necessarily factor in. They're more interested in like how much they save than sort of the life that they're living. Interesting. So, so do you find that business owners tend to fall in one more than the other, or are they kind of spread across the board? They're kind of spread across the board. Okay. Okay. So no, no rule of thumb here. Just it it goes I've seen them all. Yeah. I've seen them all. So I know you had mentioned you have a Cassie, Cassie Parks trust principle. What is that? Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> so I was, um, I ended up uh, with my PR person at this. He's a New York Times bestselling author. Um, he has, I looked him up after, he has like 20 books that are New York Times bestseller. And we're talking and we walk in his house and it was just sort of random that we ended up there, but he goes, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I help people manifest money and create the life of their dreams or something. I just spatted it off. And he's like, I don't believe in money mindset. And I said, oh, okay. He's like, it's a formula. I'm interviewing billionaires right now. And it's all a formula, you know, like you learn how to make money and you do this. And I said, oh, okay. 
Dewey goes on to tell me about this one particular billionaire that he's interviewed and his formula was to look at population growth. And if he saw a certain amount of population growth, like that trend, he would buy land a certain amount outside of that city or that town. And 10 to 20 years later, he would sell it to a big box store. And so this is his formula for making money. And I said, yeah, that is great. I said, except for if you have a money story that doesn't allow you to trust that 10 year waiting period or trust that that's going to pay off or trust that you can make that investment now and hold that. And he kind of looked at me. I mean, he basically called my work BS and he looked at me and he was like, oh, you're right. Like, I think I might put the Cassie Parks trust principle in my next book, whether he did or not. I don't know, but I just love to tell that story because Money is dollars and cents, but I hear from so many of my clients when it all of a sudden, like for whatever reason, it doesn't add up easily that gets in their way. And so when we, and that's where the money stories are, right? Just like I described the survival, you know, when they're, somebody's living in a survival story, they're used to being in this panic situation of not having money. So they will actually, like I said, hot potato, the money, um, instead of, have it in their account and, and change the way that they're living. Right. Yeah. So what, how, when I have all the questions, like if someone (laughs) is in that stuck in that survival Mm -hmm. trap or survival mode where the money comes in, it goes out right as just as fast. And I've, I've seen that hundreds (laughs) of times. Right. right? Um, (laughs) it definitely happens a lot. How in the world do you even begin to get out of that? Yeah. Um, so I do it through my course and we start to gently change your brain and what it expects in your relationship with money. Um, so that you open up to documenting it, looking at it, um, paying attention, noticing, even becoming aware because people with that story, even if all of us on the outside could see it, like, you're like, Oh, I've seen that. Right. We've all probably seen it. If you haven't seen it, you're probably the, you might be survival and you're the one doing it. Um, if you haven't seen it in someone else, because, you know, it's so natural to them. It actually feels good. Even if it feels bad and stressful at some point, it feels natural. It's their natural state to be in this panic and this adrenaline rush. Like, where's the money going to come from? Oh my God, I have nothing in my checking account. Um, and so over time we become aware. The biggest thing is becoming aware, like, okay. I overdrafted my account or there's no money for rent next week, whatever it is. And to feel those feelings, but then really to look back and go, okay, how did I get here? Um, and so I have one, one client in particular that's popping up and she really, she really did that. And she did exactly that. She's like, if I got a big tip at a restaurant when she was working in a restaurant years before she started working with me, she goes, yeah, I would have already planned to buy everyone's drinks that night before I even got off. Wow. Yeah. Um, And so it's just becoming aware and catching that. And then we go through the process of really getting connected to what you want, which is what manifesting $10,000 is about, is about being conscious of what do I want this money to go? Where do I want things to go? And it's easier to, I've found to play with new money than to try and work sort of in what already is your brain is more open to change. We're talking about, okay, what's, what's this 10,000 that comes out of nowhere or that I wasn't expecting? How can we work with that and, and move towards what we want? Okay. Let's stay there for just a minute. So you just said it's easier to 
plan with new money than work within the existing the existing like budget. Tell me more about that. <laughs> um, I think immediately when most people hear, and I work to like dispel this, but they hear budget, it's it's this immediate I can't have, whether that's from experience or that's life. And when you get really good with money, you know a budget is it's practical. It's actually what gives you freedom. But in the beginning, right, saying like, oh, how can you get everything you want in a budget when you haven't been getting everything you want with your budget? There's a lot of resistance to that. How is that going to work? That's not going to work. But if we say, okay, what are you going to do if somebody walks up to you tomorrow and hands you $10,000? And then your brain is like, oh, this, this, and this. You start to automatically focus on what you want. You start to get into that. You start to see when extra money does come in your life, you pay attention because we track all that. So if you were planning to go, um, get coffee, but your friend bought you coffee, we count that $5 and we'll even take it out of our account and put it in our manifesting account toward that 10,000, because that really makes you aware of, Oh, there is extra money. Money's coming in. Now I need to consciously spend it. Or I use the word invest. I need to consciously invest it in what I'm wanting for my life. So I feel like every single person who's ever won the lottery probably needs to be talking to you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That is certainly found money and it tends to disappear quickly. Right. Not from personal experience, just from what I've, what I've read in the news. The statistic is high. Yeah. Um, So, okay. If someone is resistant to, 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 um, starting a budget, which I'm a big fan of budgets, Mm -hmm. obviously, (laughs) um, if someone is resistant, like what would be the first step to, to getting on board then? So the first step I would tell somebody who's not in my program is let's start with what you want. So let's not even look at what is, but let's take a minute and ask like, where do you want your money to be going? Right. And what's going to come up is obviously you're going to want to pay for your house. Um, But when you get the list of what you want and you work backwards to what you're doing, it's easier to see, oh, I really want money. I don't know, maybe to be going out with friends, but I'm spending all this money on fast food. And so uh, it's just easier to say, oh, well, I'd rather have this than that. Um, And so I always start with what you want um, your budget, where do you want your money to go and then work backwards? Okay. So that you're making kind of an informed or conscious decision versus just, Oh, it's too late. It's gone. I already spent it on fast food when it fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah. And you're becoming just more conscious of what you want instead of falling into that default space. Okay. I'm going to change gears a little bit. Yeah. I've heard you use the phrase, the story you tell today is the life you live tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I would love to know what you mean by that. <laughs> um, so I believe we create what we want. I mean, it's been proven. It's also the, the science of it, right? What we tell our brain to look for is what it points out to us because there's so much information. It needs a way to filter. So when we tell the story, whatever story we tell today is the life we're going to live tomorrow. So if I tell the story, I'm getting better with money. I'm going to see evidence of that tomorrow. My brain's going to look for that and tell me. And so I'm going to start living more of that story versus if I say I'm really bad with money today, or there's never enough money, your brain is going to filter that information tomorrow that tells you that's true because it's trying to prove that to you. It's trying to give you exactly what you want. And so when we choose our stories, we choose the words that we say, 
Um, one example with money is I teach people invest versus spend, which we said earlier, but also if you can't afford something, I don't, I teach people to say, instead of, I can't afford it, Like I choose not to buy that today. Mm, I like that. I might have to use that with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. Right. And Sometimes it's an easy way to say, no, it's like, no, we can't afford that right now. No, we're choosing not to spend money on that. That's a <laughs> yeah. good, that's a better way to say that. <laughs> right. And for them, it puts this, it's not a can or can't it's a choice, which the more mm-hmm. we open up to that choice about money and we see things as choices instead of can or can't, like we're just in a much more powerful place. Okay. I love that. You had, you had mentioned a story about a therapist client mm-hmm. that would get stuck and wouldn't do her billing, which again, like I've seen that so mm-hmm. many times. I'd love to hear the story. <laughs> yeah. So, um, she would get stuck in her billing. She would get stuck in doing her taxes. You know, she wouldn't bill. And sometimes this went, um, in the very beginning, I think it would go to where even sometimes it was past billing because she works for some agencies. And so there would be money lost, you know, so to speak. And she really changed that to be, "Ah, I choose, I chose to let that go so that it even became not, I'm going to beat myself up, but like, I made a choice, whether it was conscious or unconscious, I made a choice to let that money go and I'm going to move on now. And so she would always get stuck in her billing and slowly, but surely as we changed her money story, we opened her up to believing she deserved more and knowing she could have more and trusting that more money would be there. Cause I think there was for her, part of what was going on is like, Oh, if there's this amount of money out there to bill, it was like this safety net. Cause it's like, it couldn't be spent interesting. Yeah. But it was like, it wasn't in her, you know? And so it was very like, Oh, safety, (laughs) you know, like it feels safe to have it there instead of in my account, because I know, Oh, like things get really bad. I can just, you know, bill that amount of money, which sometimes was thousands and thousands of dollars. Okay. That's, that's so interesting to me. And, and the reality is like, there comes a point where you can't bill it anymore. Right. But but that (laughs) felt just knowing it was there felt secure. Mm-hmm. To her. That's a really interesting perspective. I had not thought of any of that Yeah, that way. And so did she, did she overcome it? Oh, she totally overcame it. And she just took on a new contract that adds $4,000 more a month. So I blink her income is now 14,000. She bills on time. Now she's actually hired a billing person, which in the middle she wanted to do that. But even that was, that wasn't, didn't feel safe. Right. Because then it'd get billed all the time. And so, you know, she got it to where she was billing on time and now she has a billing person. And so it's all running smoothly and she's loving all the money in her life. She just went to Mexico on this very luxurious vacation. She's going through my program again. Um, cause I make people do manifest 10 K twice. And she's like the lists of what she's going to invest her money in are so different and certain because everything is taken care of. And now she's getting more and more and more. I love it. So how did you get into coaching? Yeah, I, I started to become a count. I thought I always wanted to be a counselor and I got into my program and whatever it was about my program, I was like, I want something different. It didn't feel like a fit. I finished it obviously. And I was still even planning, but I wanted something different. And so I started exploring different energetic modalities and studying different things. And then I was like, oh, I want to be a coach. This feels better. 
And so when I quit my job, I didn't know actually what my niche would be, what I would coach, but I had outlined this money manifesting course about six months before I left my job. And so I was like, oh, I need to do this. My money, I have enough passive income, but I don't have the income that I had. So I want to do this course to just keep my mindset on track. So I wrote it and I did it. And then I launched it. Um, it was the best course I'd ever launched. It had over 170 people the first time. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then it became what people wanted to learn from me. And so I just kept coaching and honing and learning where people were getting off track and making my program better. And then um, it was inspired to take it to the next level of doing future self-work after you get your money mindset in alignment. I do future self-work where we work five years out, who you want to be, what's the life you want to live, and then um, start stepping into that. I love it. It's, this is such a different conversation than what I usually have, but I, <laughs> I, I really love it. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. I usually ask all of our guests on the podcast, what is your favorite business book and why? Oh, Do you have anything to book. share with us? <laughs> I don't um, have a favorite business. I, I run my business very much on inspiration. I have learned things along the way that I needed to, um, but I think it goes back to rich dad, poor dad. Right. And really okay. like that was, it was 19 and that book, the original, like made a big impact. Like there's, there's these different ways to earn income and how do you want to set your life up and who do you want to be? And so I'm always thinking of that. Like I run my business, I think very different than most coaches. Um, because I don't want a huge team to manage. I know that about me. Okay. I want, I want to coach more than I market and do all the other things. Like I want my coaching hours to be the most of what I do and everything else to be less than those hours. Got it. Okay. So you've, you've built your business around doing the things that bring you joy. Yes, absolutely. All right, Cassie, it's been a huge pleasure chatting with you. Um, if our listeners want to hear more uh, from you, where can they go? Um, they can go to cassieparks.com, C-A-S-S-I-E-P-A-R-K-S.com, or they can find my podcast, Manifesting Success Stories. Perfect. And we will list to, we will um, link, sorry, to Manifesting Success Stories in the show notes as well. If you want to head over there to check that out. Thanks, Cassie. Thank you. If you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com slash accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.